and welcome to episode 90 of Penny Red. My name is Daniel Hodges. And I'm Sean Hayworth. And we're back. We've got to have, I had a couple of weeks off there. I've been trying to work on my next my next game and with painting and my son's water polo and this, that and the other thing. Basketball games, what type of carry on. I just never quite managed to get it together. But um, I've done more research for tonight's episode than any previous um, episode. So be ready to be amazed. If I if I can break in here for a second, uh, <laughs> I just I just like to say your son plays water polo. Like that is not a a, a sport I am used to hearing people be like. No, oh, yeah. my, no my son's it's, water polo. It's the, uh, that's right. Yeah, it's the um, the most expensive part. Obviously, is the horses, right? Because you can't because they they drown pretty quickly. And... Yeah, I imagine you have to buy a bunch of them for <laughs> water right. wings on the horse. Well, yeah, I mean it's almost cheaper buying a new horse than a horse and mask snorkel set for the um for the horse. So well, yeah, I mean that goes without saying. <laughs> and the flippers, you know, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Waterproof feed bag. And that's that's got to be a big pool. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So uh, nothing, nothing conventional for uh, from apparently water polo is uh, what he really wanted to play, and it turns out that he uh, he stuck with it. So it's the first sport that he nice. played. He tried baseball, football, soccer, you name it. Water polo is the only thing he's really enjoyed. So, so anyway, there you go. Water polo. Cool. No horses, though. Um, so yeah, so we did lots. I did lots of uh, lots of research. Um, lots is relative, but um, but there you go. So uh, if you read the little blurb ahead of time, um, which if you're listening to this, you won't have done. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about um, Mark Reinhagen's uh, Kickstarters, uh, Make Believe Games, which I think is perhaps an inauspicious title, but uh, there you go. Um, <laughs> and uh, and the um, yeah, we're going to talk talk about those a little bit. Um, and then uh, go and talk a little bit about crowdfunding in general, and, and Sean's going to roll out some of his favorite, least favorite things from what I gather. But we've sort of kept a little bit of a surprise element from each other here uh, today, so we can have some organic reactions just for you, dear listeners. So, um, but anyway, before we get on with the show, a couple of uh, housekeeping type things. Um, first of all, uh, if you're listening to this and you download it from iTunes, if you ever have a, an opportunity to write a review for the show, I mean, even if it's a bad one, um, then uh, I prefer it was good. Um, if you could do that, that would be um, nice of you, if you could take a moment to do that. Um, and if you don't have a spare moment, then uh, then I understand you're all very busy people. Um, not really. Go on, take a minute. I spent ages researching this and ages of recording and editing. Just take two minutes, actually. It doesn't take that long. But anyway, you can take a minute. Go and do that. Um, not right now, though. Keep listening. Um, and there was something else which I've forgotten. Um so anyway, all right, so just lay a bit of groundwork here. Um, for those that maybe aren't familiar with gaming in the 90s, um, I would say that Mark Reinhagen um, deserve, deserves to be in the pantheon of role-playing gods, yes or no? Uh, yeah, I, well, I mean, certainly certainly his, his sort of signature game is hugely yes. influential on, on yep. gaming culture. Right, yeah, for sure. That that game being uh, Vampire the Masquerade, that was the first of the uh, quote unquote storyteller system um, games, it was a role playing game of personal horror. Um, and if you want to hear a little bit more about sort of the early days of the White Wolf uh, game company, um, Sam Chupp, who was one of the one of the original sort of people that worked there, he wasn't right at the very very start, but was there for certainly the first edition um, core books um, from. Mage onwards, I think, 
Um, no, maybe Werewolf. Anyway, go back and listen to those episodes. I can't even remember myself. But, um, yeah, so if you listen to those, um, Huge and Cork is one of them, and um, The Cabal of Mostly Darkness. I'm afraid I don't remember the numbers, but those are the, the names of the episodes. You can hear Sam Chupp sort of talking about that. Um, I don't know when Mark Reinhagen left the company, but suffice to say he was very influential initially, certainly in all of the first edition games from Vampire through to, at the very least, Wraith. I'm not sure if he was still involved when it got as far as um, Changeling. Do you recall? Uh, yeah, I, I have no idea. Like, at, I was I was a big White Wolf fan mm. know, in, the, in the early 90s, but I didn't follow what was going on at the company. Right, right. Uh, I, I just... Bought the book. I just, I just like reading. I read the notes on the inside. They were they had amusing sort of line and notes, if you like, for if there is such a thing for a book. Um, and so I read those, and so I tended to notice the big sort of well, uh, the big bullet point that there's between Ryan and Hagen. Yes. Um, I tended to notice that inside the inside the cover, and I can't remember exactly when it disappeared. But suffice to say, I'm also a um, a huge fan of um, the White Wolf stuff. I mean, you've heard me go on about Wraith quite a bit, and also um, Mage, but um, but I would say that, yeah, he's definitely, um, he's definitely right up there as the sort of a new wave of gaming, I suppose, the beginning of the, uh, beginning of the nineties, they called it a, rena- a renaissance or renaissance in, uh, in gaming. And it was, and I've mentioned it before, but it was certainly a, a renaissance in, in gaming for me. I hadn't played for many years. I sort of last thing I played was probably Rollmaster, And then there were maybe uh, half a dozen years. Um, perhaps more before I uh, got back into role playing, and when I did, that's when White Wolf was uh, was was the be all and end all of uh, of role playing, or at least it was for uh, for me in the sort of the circles that I moved in. So um, I want to be clear up front that I don't have anything against my, Mark Reinhardt. I don't have a horse in this race. I didn't back either of the two Kickstarters that we're going to talk about, um, and all of the stuff which I'm I'm reading is readily available um, on the internet. Uh, there's um, published on Mark's Facebook and um, you can find it on G plus um, and you can find it in the Kickstarter comments, um, Kickstarter comments section. So um, there's nothing, I haven't editorialized anything just yet, but um, yeah, but I want to be clear. I'm not, I've got no, no horse in any one of these races and I'm certainly in no position to be questioning um, Mark Reinhagen in terms of his, um, in terms of the success that he's had at least up until this point um, in gaming. But, hey, if you want to get – if you're listening, Mark, and you want to get on the show and defend yourself or uh, if you feel that you've been attacked, then by all means, come and give us your best shot. Well, maybe not. Just yeah, not, not your best one, like your second <laughs> best one. That's, that's right. Yeah, I mean, like, we're just really like, – I don't, I, don't, I don't know if you're right-handed or left-handed, but could you just, like, switch – yeah, that's right. Yeah, so give, give us a, give us a fighting chance. But anyway, yeah. So I want to yeah I want to go. I want to upfront. I want to say I was a huge fan of Mark Reinhagen's games in the past. But um, I'll try and be as impartial as I can be here when we go through this, and also as we lead into the other stuff. So um, yeah. So background. Um, so to the best of my knowledge, um, Mark Reinhagen moved to Tbilisi. And Georgia, if I pronounced that wrong, Georgian listeners, then uh, feel free to write in and tell me the correct phonetic. Um, I think that do they use Cyrillic in Georgia? Uh, I'm not sure what language they speak in Georgia. Uh, I'm, I don't know. I've never actually been there, so yeah, no, neither right. But anyway, so we moved to Tbilisi, or at least that's what it says on his Facebook. And I sort of read a little bit of background on that before we uh, before we come on the air. But yeah, he works in uh, marketing and so forth, um, or at least he he did. Um, at the time of um, 
and then he wrote those things and got back into game designs with a game company called Make Believe Games. Um, as far as I can tell, the um, the he's re, he's put three things on Kickstarter to get them funded and get them made. The first thing was a game called a card a vampire card game called Succubus, um, which didn't um, didn't reach its funding goal. Um, so we won't really be talking about that. But if you dig back through um, Kickstarter, you can sort of see what that was all about. Um, and then there was a card game called Democracy. Now I didn't read a whole lot of the background about democracy. Uh, first of all, it wasn't really a role-playing game, but um, second of all, uh, it was sort of overshadowed by the role-playing game I Am Zombie, which I'll, which uh, we'll probably get to first. So anyway, so um, I Am Zombie, as far as I can tell, is uh, the, the premise for the game, much like most White Wolf games, is that there was a, um, that Mark was, um, was digging around in a Greenwich Village um, in New York bookstore and found a, a, a what's it called or something a graph what's it called a, a blue 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 graph anyway there's a there's a fancy word for a, a lithograph maybe no oh, okay. no 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 uh, um, I want to say it starts with them but anyway not important anyway found a little book self published sort of book um, called oh, and I'm graph yeah that's right that's the one um, uh, uh, called I am Zombie Manifesto of the Risen. Um, and he um, he bought the book apparently for three dollars, and then was incapable of finding any information about the uh, book on the internet. Now, the to the best of my knowledge, this is a uh, sort of like a found footage style conceit to get the game going. Suffice to say, um, in reading through all the details about the um, about the game, uh, there were a lot of it felt very sort of um, white wolfy in the setup. Anyway, did you read the? Did you read the Kickstarter details, Sean? Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't read them in. in I, I kind of. I kind of scanned them, but yeah, it cool. seemed very much the the you play the monster, uh, right. sort of thing. Which, uh, incidentally, uh, a, a friend of mine has also made a game that is you playing a zombie. Uh, okay. Not not that I want to plug it right now. I'll talk about it at the end, but. Okay, sure. <laughs> so, yeah, so listen out for, yeah, well, and it may be necessary. People may get a hankering by the time we've finished talking about this. But anyway, so there was, just like most of the White Wolf games, there was a, um, there's a back, sort of a backstory, and it actually seemed, like, it felt very, it felt very White Wolfy to me. Like, I read all of the books um, and sort of got into the groove of the of the backstory that there was for it, and there were various secret um, sort of societies and so forth that were, were either, like, holding hands under the table and that sort of thing to, to that were part of this uh, um, scenario setting, if you like, um, for it. And that style of writing, I don't know if that is Marx or or not, but it was certainly heavily, um, it heavily influenced the way that I put together um, Victoria, at least as far as the emphasis that I placed on having sort of a rich backstory and some, and some, um, a triumvirate, if you like, of, of, um, Organisations which were which pushed and pull on the on the characters in Victoria, um, and yeah, it seemed very familiar. And it seemed like I mean, I actually didn't know of its existence um, before the Kickstarter closed. But anyway, the goal for it was uh, thirty thousand dollars, and they raised thirty five thousand five hundred and twenty eight dollars, and that closed in July of last year. Um, the last update. For the for it was October the thirteenth, 
Um, and if you go to um, of 2013, and if you go to IamZombieRPG.com, you can sort of see all of the all of the backstory and stuff for it. Now, after that, there was a pretty big gap between um, that last update in October and the next thing that um, that Mark Ronhagen wrote. Now, just also a little bit of background about I Am Zombie. The I Am Zombie was going to be based on the Axiom system, which was a series of cards, which is which are used to have sort of character elements and so forth um, on them, and that sort of forms your character sheet, if you like. Apparently, there was going to be a regular character sheet you could use if that's that's the way you preferred things. Um, and, yeah, I don't know a whole lot about the Axiom system. Uh, suffice to say that instead of there being uh, a lot of bookkeeping, apparently the upside of the Axiom system is that you can use these cards to help your resolution and so forth without having to flip around and get to tables and things like that, which may or may not be a plus for you. But anyway, there you have it. Um, so it's going to be about playing a zombie, like one in however many zombies are sort of sentient beasts, if you like, that are able to sort of marshal the other zombie troops and get various things done. Um, you've got a, a stat, which is kind of like, I guess, humanity or, you know, like um, a reet or erite, depending on how you like to pronounce it. Um, or what's it called in vampire, Sean? What's uh, the, not vampire, sorry, vampire, sorry, werewolf? Uh, werewolf, uh... I'm trying to remember what it was in the – was it Harmony in the old one? No, no, not Harmony in the – I don't think it's Harmony. Because I know the newer one is Primal Urge. But Rage? It's... Yeah, Primal Urge? Yeah, anyway. But anyway, so anyway, you've got this sort of – I know it's called Orpheum or, or – anyway, the exact details of it are not are not important. Suffice to say that much like the other um, characteristics, there was a sort of a centralized stat that you had which went up and down depending on the stage of zombiness you're experiencing. So when you're – Orpheum or whatever it was called was uh, full up. You're like a real boy. And then as you did stuff, it cost you this magical midi-chlorian energy. And then you became more and more like a zombie. And then you had to do something else to get it back up again and so forth. Anyway, um, so the premise is that you, you're trying to do this. You're trying to I take, take care of business, I suppose, in, in, in the way of most role-playing games. And one way or another, there are various organizations who want to either kill you or help you to achieve something, and there are various other bad organizations. And as uh, Sean sort of summed up for us earlier on, you are playing a monster, um, you're the hero of the story, and the odds are stacked against you for various reasons. Um, so anyway, that was that. People were obviously on board with it. Like I say, it went for 30000 was the goal, and then they raised 35000 So that was all good. People were sort of expecting an axiom, sort of card-based uh, resolution sort of system help out with the characterization type stuff with a sort of world of darknessy type feel, I suppose. Um, I don't recall the date that it was supposed to be out, and I don't want to misrepresent that. Suffice to say, one of the things that uh, Mark Reinhagen wrote in the um, in the blurb about it was uh, under the risks and like one of the things you have to have for a Kickstarter is risks and something other. Was it called Sean? Risks. And... Uh, yeah, r- risks. I, I can't remember what it what it's called. Like risks and or setbacks or delays or something yeah, like, like what, that. What, you what, know? What could, basically, what could it, what could happen that could mean that you don't get the thing that you want when you think you're going to get it? But anyway, right. in that particular section, they were talking a pretty big game about you know I'm aware of the way the Kickstarter works. I'm an old hand at this type of stuff, and I uh, I know that I need to get. That, that I'll have this all done in plenty of time. I've said six months when really all I need is this many months, but you know how things go, that type of stuff. And then nothing, and nothing, and nothing, and nothing, and nothing, and nothing, and nothing, um, until December the 19th. So there was nothing there from October the 10th till December the 19th. So a couple of months, give or take. 
Um, and then there was a uh, and then there was a, a, a letter um, which I'm going to read, uh, which I'm going to read now because although it's longish, um, I'm going to read all of it because there are sort of every single paragraph is something that we probably will end up talking about um, eventually. Anyway, so this is from the words of Mark Reinhagen in a, in a release and a sorry in a something he wrote on December the 19th and posted to uh, posted to Facebook. If you go to any of the the Kickstarter things, you can find this the text there. It's also you can find on a G plus and so forth. But anyway, if you do a search for a couple of words that I string together here, you should be able to find it yourself. But hi, this is Mark Reinhardt's word, not mine. Please read exclamation point. Hi, everyone. Sorry about the long, long hiatus. It lasted far longer than I ever intended it to be, but it served a purpose, which I'll explain in just a bit. But first, let me explain why I needed a vacation. Facebook is an amazing place, but when you have as many friends as I do, it becomes difficult to get serious work done. Before my break, I was sometimes getting messaged 100 times a day and distracted by this or that uh, the whole day long. I became addicted to the intensity of the constant stimulation and my creative work began to suffer. I knew I needed to switch things out somehow and find a new way to work, a new way to focus. Secondly, I Am Zombie was stalled. I had released a complete rules book, background book, and character cards, and I was expecting a big surge of activity and interest as different groups began to playtest, but that did not happen. I became more than a bit distraught and depressed. I'm a temperamental artist, artist after all. Day by day, I began to slip deeper and deeper into a big black hole. Emotionally, I was an all-time low in terms of this project. Intellectually, however, I realized that something was wrong with the game. Not the playtesters. You guys have been great. Incredibly involved and very supportive. I decided to take a week off and just figure things out, all caps. In the end, it took a bit more than a week, but I've indeed figured things out. As many of you know, I'm used to having trouble with my game and playtesting. Infamously, my first vampire playtest group quit the game in disgust, saying it was unplayable. The first Wraith playtest group had to disband because of paranormal activity. In any case, I knew something was wrong with the system or the setting, and I had to fix it. And if you want to hear more about that actual paranormal activity uh, thing with, uh, with Wraith, if you listen to, like I say, Huge and Cork or the Cabal of Mostly Darkness involving... Um, with Sam Chup, you can get a little bit more background on that. But anyway, uh, my analysis uh, began with the game system itself. I realized that as much as I liked dice pool systems, which is what the storyteller system was based on, uh, you'd roll a whole bunch of D10s depending on how good you were at stuff, and then everything that was above a certain number would be good, and everything that was one would be bad, and then you'd figure out how good or bad your roll was like that. Right. Um, and I love the elegance of this particular dice pool system with this different colored D6. That was a major hindrance for people playing the game. Um, uh, secondly, I realized that my own playtesters uh, were not choosing cards that had no art. They just didn't grok, quote-unquote, the blank cards. You know, I knew we were a long ways from getting all the art, and I couldn't substitute other art from the internet in uh, Lucy... Uh, sorry, for, in, from the internet in. Lucid zombie art just doesn't exist, and anything else would be confusing and distracting. Over the next week, as we deconstructed the game layer by layer, it became obvious that we needed a new game system. We needed a way to playtest the game using cards with art on them. At the same time, I was getting feelers back from various game companies about the Axiom game system. They were interested in the ideas of character cards. They just didn't get the idea of a game where you play a zombie. I would be upset about that kind of reaction, but I'm used to it. It's exactly the same reaction I got when I came up with Vampire. They wanted more approachable setting, an example of how it worked, and a paradigm they could visualize. Uh, so we began working on a new game, a game through which uh, we could completely methodically, intensely playtest a new game system. I decided that fantasy was the archetypical RPG, plus there was a ton of fantasy art online we could borrow for use in a set of playtest cards. One night I had a dream about a character who kept getting reincarnated, so I called the setting incarnate. Very quickly, while working on simplifying the D6 system, I realized that the game was too innovative, all caps. This is a problem I run into often. 
People who do not work in a creative field are often confused by this concept. They think that the more unique something is, the better. The truth is, however, that you can only move people so far in so much time. If you're going to be brilliantly innovative in one way, you need to be familiar and conventional in another. So that when I decided um, to wait for it, to move to a D20-based game system. Yes, please don't scream, it's true. It's the most familiar way to resolve events in the world of role-playing. Millions of people have already played a game using the system. If you are going to blow people's minds by having character cards instead of character classes, then you need to give them something they understand deeply to hang on to as they go for the ride of their life. Anyway, we whipped up 30 fantasy cards and wrote up a new system. It ended up taking a lot uh, a lot longer than I thought it would, but then something amazing happened. Playtesters went nuts and new gamers started showing up out of nowhere. For the first time in Georgia, we were able to playtest a game without having to bribe people with food or wine. Bottom line, people loved the new game system. It mixed the radically new with the deeply familiar in a way that was very approachable and easy to understand. All the stuff that slows down 3.54E or Pathfinder game was eliminated, like charts and looking things up. Everything you needed was on the cards. The game system was was uh, was still Axiom. In fact, it was shocking how easy it was to convert it over, and the card looks very much uh, as with the D6 I Am Zombie. Almost immediately, I wrote a new D20 set of Axiom rules for I Am Zombie as well and tried a game. However, without any card art, all but the most sophisticated and experienced players were still completely lost. So we kept working on the Incarnate game and the D20 Axiom system. But after real uh, without ever realizing it, a few weeks had gone by without me really noticing. I was so happy uh, to not be interrupted every five minutes of being able to focus on one project, a new game system, and a new setting. Then the creative muse just completely took over, and we started adding more and more cards and more and more setting to the new game. It's simply what one does when one is designing a game. Uh, you focus intently on the project at hand. I think also I just really needed a break from the internet and people. Then I threw my back out, but that's a whole other story. I'm not naturally a social person. I love people, but the relatively small doses are compared to most. From the age 8 to 17, I grew up in a house in the wood with no, no other kids living nearby. I learned to entertain myself and to live in a world of book thoughts and dreams. In college, I managed to become a much more social person, uh, well, well known to anyone who has bought me a beer, but I'm still always that boy who lives in the woods. However, I'm a grown man now, and now that I have had my vacation, I'm ready to rejoin the world, not just willing, looking forward to it. I welcome your input and dialogue with you. I am restored fully to my multitasking, cloud-thumping, frantic, and wild-thinking self. Please accept my full apologies for simply disappearing. I wish I could say it won't happen again, but in a year or so, I probably will. By signing up for this group, you wanted to front row seat to the creative process, and this is part of it. Creative people aren't usually vibrant leaders or especially business-minded. We tend to be a little strange and inconsistent and unpredictable. It just goes with the work. But sincerely, I do apologize. It wasn't fair. It wasn't smart, but this is just what I had to do. I'm truly sorry if it annoyed or made your life difficult in any way. That said, I do have a holiday gift for you. The Incarnate game is ready for you to play. Since it's a fantasy game, there isn't a whole lot that needs to be explained without the setting. We all know pretty much what it's all about. We've got over 70 fully illustrated cards for you to choose from. Just pick seven cards and a succinct set of rules. I also have an introduction to the world game we created as well, which is now called Of Things Unknown, a Shakespeare quote. In terms of card, just download the file, load up the memory stick, and bring it to your local print shop. These days, almost any shop can do it. They will collate them to whatever format they want and give you a finished set of cards. They charge me about $14 for 72 cards. The end. Okay, so that's the um, that's the whole thing, um, and yeah. So um, I sort of read th I read through that. Now a lot of things I read on the internet were saying that the um, that in fact this is sort of a bait and switch um, type thing. Not necessarily so much that um, it was intended to be that, but that's what it was turning out to be, which is. I want a zombie game. I'm now getting a, um, a fantasy D20 game. 
right, yeah, I'm getting, yeah. I'm getting Dungeons and Dragons, right? Yeah. Um, and that sort of seemed to be the, the tenor of it. But what I did do is just to, in the interests of um, impartial journalism, I went and looked on the um, on Mike, Reinhard, Mike Mark Reinhagen's Facebook page. And looking on that page, um, as recently as the 30th of January, um, I discover, I there's a post there from a guy who's doing the art, and they'd, he'd posted a whole lot more uh, I Am Zombie pictures. Um, so that game apparently is still in development. Um, so I don't, I don't know what's going, I don't know what's going on there with, uh, going on there with that. But anyway, um, in with that, I went, okay, so let's just, let's for a moment, because we're going to talk more generally about crowdfunding. Um, this is where Sean's going to uh, bring out his big crowdfunding <laughs> sword and slay us with his, uh, with his deep reading. It, it won't just... be that insightful. <laughs> <laughs> I can promise you that. But, but any, anyway, so like, um, so I thought, well, okay, let's just pretend that that is the whole story. Now, clearly, it's not, but let's pretend that it is. Um, and so I read down through um, Kickstarter's sort of frequently asked questions, that type of carry on, and one, and and focused on this one: Is a creator legally obligated to fulfil the promises of their product? Short answer: Yes. Long answer, and I'm that's that's those are my words, not Kickstarter's. Kickstarter's terms of use require creators to fulfill all rewards of their project or refund any backers whose reward they do not or cannot fulfill. This is what creators see before they launch, so they can you can take a look at the rules. We crafted these terms to create a legal requirement for creators to follow through on their projects and to give backers a recourse if they don't. We hope the backers will consider using the provision only in cases where they feel that a creator has not made a good faith effort to complete the project and fulfill. So um, reading between the lines on that and doing some other reading, what actually happens is if you give money to people, then they take it and they do what they, well, theoretically they take it and they do what they say they're going to do. But Kickstarter washes their hands of the whole money thing, right? right. If, the, if the project funds... They get their cut. Amazon gets their cut or whoever it is that's in bed with them. I can't remember. Um, and then any arguments subsequently do not involve Kickstarter. It may affect your chances of running another project with Kickstarter. But as far as the Kickstarter closes and they've got their money, as far as I can tell, that's the end of their involvement. The rest is for you to fight with um, with the creator. Right. And... And in the interests of, uh, and so so looking into that, I said, okay, well, there's going to be some angry people. I went to, um, I then went to Kickstarter to read the various comments, and so you can you can do likewise. Um, and what it looks like is um, that Mark Reinhagen is posting some things on Facebook, but not addressing any of the comments which have been made in the um, in the actual Kickstarter comments themselves. Okay. So, yeah, anyway, that's a big blurb there. That's before I get on to um, democracy, which has got another interesting wrinkle. But go ahead, Sean. Oh, I was, you know, it, the, it's it's kind of weird because I totally get that sometimes, you know, you think you're going to need, you know, with, with Kickstarter, uh, <clears throat> there's been a couple of stories where, like, things have funded and then, hit a snag and then I don't know, like they needed more money or something like that. Like right. uh, I, I believe, and don't quote me, but I, I think that happened uh, with double fine 
um, <clears throat> excuse me, they they made a massive, like they had a hugely successful Kickstarter, like a couple million dollars right. uh, to, to develop a video game. And then after, like, after they got, got into it, like they realized they were going to need more money and, you know, did another, I don't remember if they did another Kickstarter or another round of funding from, from somewhere else. Right. But people still got the thing that they were, that they were doing in the, in the end. Like, I think that double right. fine game just got released not too long ago. Right. Uh, and, you know, granted that's, that's a video game. They have it from what I understand, significantly longer development cycles than say an sure. RPG or something. Yeah. yeah for uh, sure. But man, like that, like just that blurb that you got finished reading yes. came out seven months after the game had been fully funded Mm. And there, he's talking about playtesting. Mm. Still, yes, yeah, yeah. That that was that's certainly a worrying aspect to me. If I was going to be, if I would, uh, if I had funded that, I'd be concerned that that's you know, like it's it's because if uh, reading around, like a lot of the information about the game, like it's pretty detailed. The Kickstarter is pretty detailed. Right. Um, so I'm wondering what. Yeah, I mean, he says he needs to do more uh, more um, playtesting and stuff like that. But what's a reasonable like? How much playtesting should you have done before you um, before you get before, money? Uh, it, you, if you want, you want my opinion, all of it. Right. Uh, you know, it, it, I I just read uh, there's a there's an article uh, by Seth Godin. Um, I'll I'll send you the link for it. Sure. Uh, that it, it it basically says you know most Kickstarters, uh, like they don't they don't start funding like getting a lot of backers until they're about sixty percent of the way done, right? Uh, uh, and and even you then, mean the amount of time there is available to to back back it. Do you no, mean? no, like like the big uh, the most amount of money will come in after it has been sixty percent funded. Which means that people aren't generally going like they're not uh, they're not funding in droves until right, it looks right. like it's going to be a sure thing. Right, right, yeah. Uh, and beyond that, things tend to get their biggest pushes, like all of their you know stretch goals and and yada yada yada, after they've already been one hundred percent funded and everybody's sure that they are going to get something. So there's right. always, you know, the handful of people who are already fans that are going to, you know, right. shell out that initial 60% of it. And then pe other people will come in and look and be like, oh, that seems like something that's interesting. And it's already most of the way done. It's pretty much a sure thing. Yes. So go ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Are there some analytics on that? Like if you set your goal for one month, if you've got this much money by this much, then there's a this much percent chance it's going to go all the way. Uh, let me uh, let me look. I, I didn't I didn't dig into uh, Mr. Right. Okay. Well, while, while Sean's while Sean's doing um, while Sean's doing that piece, um, uh, maybe now's a good time to talk a little bit about um, about the other thing that Mark Reinhagen um, has going on, which is a game called the which is the Democracy Card Game. Now this one, I think, was. Um, uh, I can't remember. Let me just double check here. I've got my window here. My eyes are going to scan around for those that are listening on the podcast. You're just going to have to be um, patient. So 
this game uh, called uh, Democracy Majority Rules, a game of politics and negotiation, uh, was uh, finished in November, finished November the 6th, 2012. Right, so keep in mind this is a full sort of six months after, six months before um, there was the I Am Zombie um, Kickstarter. So I don't know if some people backed both and they were okay with it or, or what the right. story was, but um, the, the, the goal was 32000 and they made $48,468. Um, to the best of my knowledge, um, this game is still, uh, still not out. And here is the comment that Mark made um, on the 29th of January, 2014. So this is uh, three weeks ago. This is the, most, the latest update to, um, for democracy uh, rules. Um, sorry, democracy uh, majority rules. Um, so this is the words of Mark Reinhagen again. I was going to post a full update today, but I decided I needed yet another night to think about my words and rarefy them to a unique level of profound sublimity, sublimity, yep, wildly unfamiliar to my creative Loki. Um, spelt like the Avengers bad dude or the Norse god, if you prefer things from further away. Um, however, you first need to know my splendiferous, so uncherubic, so uncherubric crazies that the game shipment is nearly there. Things are not only at long last underway, but there was a serious reason, health-wise, I haven't been well, for me to be offline and out of touch for such an elongated interlude. But first hear this loud and clear. I'd rather send my kids to community college than abrogate a contract. No joke. I'd never leave a gamer and his wad stranded. Ever. Never have, never will. Democracy is on its way. So calm the fuck down. Subside. Please, please, please. Full post when I wake up. And that was the 29th of January. Um, and... Yeah, you can read a whole bunch of um, uh, you can read a whole bunch of comments that people made and uh, with reference to that. Um, but I'll give you sort of I'll I'll take the pulse here of it. Um, uh, uh, well, this is just rich, and I guess full post when I wake up is just another broken promise. Thanks for nothing, Mark. That's Joshua Jenkins. Um, uh, I'm not concerned. This is somebody else. Dana Richmond says, I'm not too concerned. He is saying that I'm thinking most of the time, I'm thinking most of the time when folks whine about a late Kickstarter project. Not that I would say it in a forum like this, mind you, still looking forward to this project whenever it gets here. So somebody obviously who's a uh, fan. And then somebody else says, um, uh, a Diego Sotomayor Noel. So after all this time, Calm the fuck down is what we get for an answer. Just after Mark says he needs time to think his words. Hope tomorrow's update comes with a way to get our money back. This is definitely not a person or behavior I want to back. At Mark, sorry you were sick. Good to hear you are better now. Still no excuses for this. Um, and then somebody else says, uh, Robert uh, Dickman, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, like Dul Dulkers. Um, you know we can read your Facebook updates, right? So he's updating to Facebook, but not personally responding to any of the people in here that I can see. And then I can't find it now. One of them uh, says, 
that um, he's reported the uh, reported the comment to the to the moderators <laughs> of uh, of um, Kickstarter saying the language is unacceptable. So anyway, um, that's the other that's the other Kickstarter he's got um, on the go now. That's one that's one position where I am prepared to uh, go after him, which is the whole thing about I'd rather send my kids to community college. Um, is it's pretty <laughs> fucked up. Like, yeah. Let's just have a go at people not rich enough to go to regular college. Let's pretend that they're subhuman, like that's a, like a yeah. subhuman location for you to send people. Like it's it's it's, a, it's like going to public school. Jesus. Yeah, it's, I know. It's kind of like yeah, you know, the, the unwashed masses. Like let's let me sort of further alienate myself from the people that wanna that wanna that wanna support my game, but. But anyway, so yeah, so there's two of them. There's two of them on the two of them on the go that haven't um, that haven't come out. Now um, you can take issue with most of that uh, most of the stuff in that, and well, and and all of them. There's various, at least in my um, opinion, patronising um, undertones to a lot of the stuff. Like it's like you know, it's not realistic to expect things to go smoothly. Now, like yeah. I said at the start, I don't have a horse in the race, so it doesn't affect me financially. But as somebody who followed the early White Wolf and then um, has sort of done a little bit of research into this, you know, if I had backed it, I'd be uh, worried probably by now. But uh, but anyway, you've got some you've got some Reddit factoids, is that right? I'd be pissed. I'd be pissed, yeah. not worried. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be so much worried as like angry to be treated like that, right? But he's he's busy on Facebook apparently because that was part of the problem um, with I Am Zombie. Right. But uh, yeah, it's not addressing any of the concerns people have. It's almost like um, reading between the lines. It's almost annoying that they're almost annoying him by uh, by continually asking for stuff. And yeah. strangely, on uh, on Facebook, there are very few comments about it. So I don't know if he goes through and vets them or blocks people or or what happens. But on the Mark Reinhagen Facebook page, everything is um, moonbeams, uh, lollipops, and whatever it is. But um, but anyway, yeah. So, but the counterpoint to that is that um, there is there was some new art posted. So apparently, somebody is still working on it. And then there was a, a woman posted as well, saying that she was um, reading Aramaic or something to try and find some um, some good words for a glossary for the book or or something like that. I forget exactly how it went. But uh, on that side, on the Facebook side of the the situation. Um, there appears to be activity, but if you go to IamZombieRPG.com, the last update was the 13th of October. So, right, right. yeah, yes, yeah, so I'd be wor worried and/or annoyed, but I, I think probably more annoyed to be spoken with like that. Like I was being unreasonable to expect things to happen in a timely fashion. But, but anyway, so so you got yeah. some factoids there. Uh, so, well, there, there's a couple of things, uh, <clears throat> and and I think most most of it were 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 pretty obvious. You'd, you'd asked about like the the time right the right for for yep. uh for kickstarters and yes. uh from from what it looks like uh they they actually have a uh on their on kickstarters official blog right uh, they have a, a page that is trends in pricing and duration right right uh, and uh, most things tend to uh like 30 day Projects tend to fund better than anything else. Right. Uh, <clears throat> but apart from that, uh, they all kind of follow a, a, a similar pattern 
where like right at the beginning, like you'll get a bunch of excited people to, to, to put in a bunch of money right. and then it drops off and you get like a trough in the middle and then near the end, you know, they right. make a big push and it, and it, and it keeps up. Right. Right. Um, so, so, so there's that, uh, like, I'm, I'm not sure how much that has to do with, with anything involving these Kickstarters. Like, no, sure. No, we're talking in generalities now rather than any specifics for, for these two projects. Yeah. 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 Like, I feel like what you're seeing here is somebody who, uh, I think, I think Kickstarter is great. I, I think it's a great way to get, get projects out. Yes. Uh, I just think they need to be mostly done. Like Kickstarter should not be the first thing you do. It should be one of the last. Right. Yeah, uh, sure. Sure. And, and, and I think every like good successful Kickstarter that's come out in a timely fashion, uh, you know, that's exactly, exactly how, how it, it was done. Mm. Uh, you know, you look at, at fate core, which was a hugely popular, Yes, right, uh, and, yeah. and hugely successful Kickstarter. Do you think uh, would that be the most successful role-playing Kickstarter? Uh, certainly one of them. I, I would I would say so. It's probably the the most successful. I'm just trying to think uh, of any other big role-playing uh, Kickstarters, but well, there's there's been some. I mean, uh, you know, Torchbearer was was uh, was up in the running for a Golden Gate nomination, and it was kickstarted. Sure. Oh uh, sure, no, no. I, I, I don't mean necessarily in terms of successful, in terms of critical acclaim, and and how many people perhaps bought a subsequently, but total amount of money raised because Fate Core was like over four hundred thousand dollars, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Like they they got you know they they did they did very well, and uh, I know that uh, Fred Hicks is super uh, transparent about like what what they you know, where the money goes and how much of yes. it goes back into the company, goes yes. to paying everybody and, right. and what they made in profit. I, I I think I saw something that they made, what, $60,000 in profit, something like that. Right. That number might be wrong. But it, it was it was a, a, a tiny sliver of, right, of right. the amount that they, they actually made. Which yeah, is, it's not, it's, it wasn't a get-rich-quick scheme by any street. No, scheme. no, not, not, not at all. And I I don't think, like, I, I don't think that anybody thinks of uh, oh, right. kickstarting yeah. a game in terms of getting rich quick. Sure. But they had, you know, they had not just a fully playable game, you know, when, when they, when they started, or at least were, you know, 85% of the way there, probably like fake core right. had to have already been under, you know, well into its development cycle before, yes. uh, before the Kickstarter, Right, Plus right. all the extra stuff that they came out with that was also already on the books to be produced, regardless yes. of how the Kickstarter, you know, came out. Like that is a really good example of how to run a responsible Kickstarter. Everything yes. came out in a timely manner. Everything was upfront. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll 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 always you know plug my my you know personal gaming hero Luke Crane. Yes. Uh, you know. Torchbearer, they they asked for basically just what they needed to present to to produce the books. Yep. Uh, instead of like going crazy with stretch goals that we're going to put them behind or anything, right. they right. took the extra like what extra money they had to make the actual physical product better yes. and didn't go nuts with it, and it came out in almost no time. Yes. 
because the game was mostly done. Yes. You know, it had been play tested thoroughly. Yes. Uh, you know, and they, you know, used the money to pay for physic, you know, finishing touches and yes, and putting it up. Yeah, this yeah, sounds I, like I kickstarted something that wasn't ready. Yeah. Already. And yeah. then, you know, of, of course people are going to be annoyed. And it sounds like you did it twice. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the strange thing. I'm surprised there wasn't any sort of like um, overflow. You know, like it's kind of like, well, no, don't back this because look what happened with the democracy card game. But maybe that was still within the window for the democracy card game. I, I don't know. But but just going back to something you mentioned with regards to Torchbearer and also to Kickstarter in general, it's um, one of the, the sort of like the interesting things I guess about Kickstarter is they have these stretch goals. Being like, if we get this, then we have more. You know, we then we can do more stuff. Right, but I, I wonder whether people that put those stretch goals in um, fully factor in what impact that's going to have on the timeline for production. Now, clearly, Torchbearer, Luke Crane, and Burning Wheel, um, and also you know, Fred and um, the, the Fake Core guys um, had that all in the bag. But I, I wonder how many Kickstarters run into trouble because of stretch goals we go wow this is going really good we're going to meet these stretch goals let's put this in let's put that in as a stretch goal and and one like we can just put anything and it'll be crazy and if it goes that's going to be amazing without actually thinking you know what if it does go you know you might get yeah. the money but how's that going to affect your timeline to production yeah and i i think that's a that's a huge uh that's a huge and and well-known issue at this point uh right uh you know there's been a number of, of people that have had to, you know, dip into their own personal funds mm. uh, in order to, to finish fulfilling uh, yeah. stretch goal stuff. Um, yeah. I, that and shipping tend to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, the thing. Yeah. yeah I, I've, I've talked about it before, but there's a horror story about, about shipping. But yeah. That's the other thing is that the longer it takes for you to get the books out, you know, like it's, it's never any cheaper than right now. And the longer it takes you to get your stuff out, the less accurate all of your predictions for shipping and all that type of carry-on are going to be, right? And yeah. like you say, people end up dipping into their own personal funds to to um, to to get the book out, right? To, to preserve their good name, um, at least right. as, as as well as as well as they uh, as well as they can. I mean, it's a learning process, but yeah. Anyway, so just talking very briefly about um, my why I'm particularly interested in Kickstarter at the moment. I've mentioned it a couple of times um, and hopefully I'll have some more details next week or it might be the week after about uh, open play testing opportunities for some of the listeners of uh, Penny Red here for um, for my next game, which I'll, I'll say I'll have a little bit more information about next time. But um, thinking down the track quite some time um, because I want to get, like I say, open, like I've done some closed play testing with a number of groups around the place. It's not a complicated sort of idea so um in terms of looking out for min maxing opportunities or rules that can break the game i don't have too many concerns along those lines but just to make sure that the the timing and so forth works well it looks like it's uh, in a situation now where if i send it to people i'll be able to play it and the game will will play but there are perhaps things which i hadn't anticipated and that's i guess why you have two lots of playtests and one to check that the thing you send to your actual playtests can be tested and played um, but then also to make sure you've got a you've got a quality product and, and all of the initial playtests I got back has been it's been very positive. But anyway, um, I'm extremely fortunate in, the, in my two previous games to have got good artwork without 
it costing me um, an arm and a leg. But while I could congratulate myself for that, um, I don't feel super good about it because people that do art do it. Like all the people that I've used have been people that have done do art for a living. And they've, you know, they've used their downtime and they've used their bits in between, you know, getting update requirements back from people, the projects and stuff like that. And I, and while it means it was cheaper for me at the same time, it's not, um, it's the amount of money they got paid is not commensurate with the work that they produced. So this time what I'm, I'm hoping to do is to use those same artists that I used in some kind of a mixture and then um, run a Kickstarter for the art um, for the book um, and then be able to pay them what they deserve um, to be paid or at least a facsimile of that because realistically probably I don't know how to, you know, get it yeah. right up there to what they should be. Because one of the, I mean, PJ McQuaid, who um, did the art for Faith, um, he's an illustrator for um, the... I forget what it's called now, Los Angeles, something or other. I, I should know that, but I, for shame, I don't recall. Um, but anyway, um, like he writes for big circulation, draw, draw, illustrates for big circulation magazines. So I was extremely lucky to to um, to get him. So PJ McQuaid, check him out. He's got some really cool um, cards that he does as well for people to buy. So pjmcquaid.com, I think. Um, but anyway, I, I apologize, PJ, if you're listening, for if I for not remembering the, the magazine you quite often um uh, right for I'll find that here in a sec. But anyway, so yes, that's my plan. At some stage in the next bit, I'll have some information regards open play testing. So any of you want to get in on that, then you can. Uh, then you'll be able to to write me an email, and I'll give you the address for that. Like I say, in a in a week or or a couple of weeks, um, and then you'll get the opportunity to be that initial sixty percent, I guess, to back the um, back the Kickstarter for some money for art. But anyway, so tell me about. So Sean, you did some. You looked into. Um, yeah, I mean, a failed thingamabobs. <laughs> I looked into, and uh, there's there's a, one, there's two that really stuck out to me. Uh, so first of all, there is if you uh, if you do a search for for failed Kickstarter, right? Uh, there is a a Reddit page, uh, right? And the the post is from uh, July of 2013. So I'm, I'm sure that this, this list has, has changed or. Oh yeah. Well, it's probably got two Mark Reinhagen projects on there at the moment. Uh, I I did not see any, any Mark Reinhagen (laughs) projects on here. Uh, there was, uh, there was a, a board game, uh, called the doom that came to Atlantic city. Uh, uh, and it was, it was designed. Who was it designed by? I think I've heard of this. Uh, Keith it's quite Baker. a big name, right? Like it was quite yeah, a Keith, Keith Baker. Uh right. and uh, Louis Lee Moyer. Right. Uh, so so people who are, are names and have, have done yes. done stuff. Uh and have been guests on the show. Keith Baker, I think, is uh is uh was guest I forget what what episode that uh, that was, but um but yeah, his his one his he was sixty something or seventy something. I forget what it was, but anyway, ellipsis is the name of his episode. Just three little dots. Or I actually wrote a little when I had far too much time on my hand. I wrote a little JavaScript um, program so that whenever you look at the name of his episode, it changes. Because we were talking about, are you familiar with Over the Edge and the Cut Ups crew? 
uh, uh, no, no, but that's that's great. I didn't even I didn't even realize that that. Yeah, yeah. Whenever you look your... at that, whenever you go to the not the not the uh, iTunes page because it just shows up as an ellipsis. And remember, when you're at iTunes to write a review. Um, uh, so, but when you go to my the actual you know pinnyreadpodcast.com, when you go to that page, every time you load the page, it'll bring up a different name for his uh, for his episode because there's a for those that didn't listen to the episode, there's a role playing game from Atlas Games called um, Over the Edge. It was written by help me out, Sean. Um, Keith Baker. Mon, was it Monty Cook? Uh, oh, no. was it Monty Cook? I'm, um, not, I'm just, not sure. I've never looked at yeah, it. You go ahead and look it up while I tell people about it. But anyway, oh. um, so over the edge, Atlas Games name we're about to fill in here. Um, but anyway, so in this thing, one of the th- one of the um, there was a group of uh, guys that had prophecies, um, and in it um, they just used to pull out random words and put them together to make a three-word sort of sentence that related to whatever it was they were going on, that whatever was going on at the time. Um, and so sort of as an homage to that, I wrote a little script so that whenever you bring it up, it brings up three words for the title of, uh, of Keith's episode. But um, but yeah, just as for those that didn't listen to the episode, a, a story that goes along with that is we were playing Over the Edge and uh, it was right around the time when O.J. Simpson was on trial um, and uh, so we pulled out three words, and the three words were legend, bears, crime, which uh, turned out to not be correct. So don't use the cut-up technique, um, you're cutting words out and pulling them out of a bag to predict real-life events. That's a, just a top tip for you there. Um, but anyway, so who was it? Did you have it there, Sean? Uh, I, I, I pulled it up, but the Atlas Games website doesn't actually say who, like, who the, the writers and designers were. Uh, at least not on their website that I'm saying. All right, I'm going. I'm I'm using my Google. Oh, author, uh, Jonathan Tweet and Robin Laws. Okay, Tweet and Laws. That's right. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was some sort of yeah. Anyway, so um, so yes, yeah, so that was uh, that's it. So you can go to that's good game that. Um, but anyway, so in that you've got the um, you got the cut-ups crew, which is what that was all about. But anyway, so whatever episode that is, um, Keith. Well, that was a long way around to get around to Keith Baker again. But so, yeah, so. <laughs> So Keith Baker and and uh, Moyes was it um, put together yeah. a board game called the thing that destroyed Atlantic City. Yeah, the doom that came to Atlantic City. Right. Uh, this thing, the 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 goal was thirty five thousand dollars. It right. made one hundred twenty two thousand. Wow. And, and some change, one hundred twenty three thousand. Wow. Wow. Uh, and July twenty third was the uh, was the update. From the the uh, the head of uh, the Forking Path Games, right? Twenty uh, thirteen. We're talking about here. Yes, right. July twenty third, twenty thirteen. Right. Uh, where they just axed the game. Whoa. Yeah, like they're just not uh, not doing it. Well, uh, so what happens there? You they've got a hundred and whatever thousand dollars. Um, how much of that have they already spent in development? You suppose? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, and you know, there was a, a couple of of comments on that update. Yeah, let's hear them. Uh, well, I mean, they were there's several several of them, uh, but <laughs> but one of the one of the 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 top ones at the top was you know basically I'd like to see where all the where all the fun funds went, uh, and. Yeah, you know, I'm sure everybody was speculating. That's on... a crazy amount of money. Yeah, yeah, and uh, over and above, and for just for nothing, just nothing. Yeah, 
Uh, and and uh, Mr. Baker has a uh, a response to uh, to that Kickstarter on on his blog. Right. What does um, that say? Uh, which which basically says uh, they didn't get any of the Kickstarter money. Uh, you know, they're pretty sure uh, he he they meaning uh, Lee Moyer and right. himself. Right. Uh, you know, are, it's a game that I guess they worked on for a long time. Right. Uh, and I don't think they know what what was going on. So they were design. They were designers on the game, but they didn't. They didn't make the Kickstarter. So the people that that made the Kickstarter hired those guys to develop the game, and then they took the money from the Kickstarter and just said, "Bye." Yeah. And yeah. those guys are left carrying the can. Well, their reputation is left sort of sullied by the whole business. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Like I. It's just. It's. It's just a shame. Like. Is there any requirement, do you know, in Kickstarter for you? You can't. Uh, well, they can't. They can't be because uh, f- um, Evil Hat is an LLC, right? And they were able to start a Kickstarter. Right. Yeah, and I and I, I don't think that there's anything against that. I mean, there's been plenty of of big companies that have done Kickstarters. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the the Ouya, which was a an Android based uh, video game console. You know, right. they they got their initial round of funding uh, on Kickstarter. Uh, the Pebble Watch, yep. which you know they got their original on on Kickstarter. Right. Um, but in both of those cases, you know they were they were successful, but they already had you know their design right. their design done. Right. In this case, uh, according to to Keith Baker's website, uh, the Doom that came to Atlantic City was already uh, had already been all set to go to a printer. Uh, right. with, with a previous company oh. uh, before before that company went under new management uh, and and they just axed it from uh, from the release schedule Production, yeah right uh, <clears throat> which you know that that sort of thing happens so you know that's I'm, I'm not I don't mean to cast any aspersions on it uh, right. but but yeah like that that game should have been able to 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 come out. Well, that's, like, that's three three times overfunded, right? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. There's no reason that that game shouldn't have already like immediately been right, unless somebody made off with somebody in the production thing made off of the money. That's I mean that's obviously speculation. I've got no idea what's going on with that. Yeah. But um, if you want to find more stuff out about that, it's KeithBaker.com, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, you can go to Keith Baker see for his uh, his take on the whole. Take on the whole thing. So, yep. so hyphenbaker.com. Right. Okay. Yeah. And if you, but then that comes back to that um, that blurb that that bit that I read before from Kickstarter about what happens if the if the money if they did nothing if nothing comes of it. Like, is the creator legally obliged to fulfill the promises of their project? And uh, yeah, and I, I I think they're supposed to have uh, you know if if they're if a project funds and isn't going to come out, yes. then there's supposed to be a, a, a way, uh, you know, they're, they're supposed to leave leave some way of people to get refunds. Right. Because uh, that, money's, that money's already gone. 
Well, yeah, that's the, that's the thing, because I'm reading through it. It looks like, I mean, maybe I misinterpreted it, but it looks like the you have to get onto the people that did it, and Kickstarter has taken their piece of money, and then that's, that's the end of their financial involvement. So Right, right. Well, because, and, and that makes sense, because they're, like, their business is not producing things. It's giving people no. a platform to, to get funding. Yes. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, absolutely, absolutely. But it's, um, yeah, it's a, so you really can't, I mean, it's not even so much that you can't expect the product to necessarily, or whatever it is to fund, you can't expect that. And you're protected in the instances where it doesn't fund. But if it does fund, then there's still no, you've yeah. got, still doesn't look like as much of a recourse to. Um, yeah, not not through Kickstarter and and as much of a as you know as it would suck to be in that position, I fortunately yeah. have never been in that position with Kickstarter. Right. But yeah, I like it sucks, but it's kind of not their responsibility. Like no, no, it, no, no, I, I don't hold Kickstarter responsible for yeah. that. I think the fine. I mean, I, I, when signing up for it, my initial reaction would be okay. So. Um, it might take some extra time to get here. Maybe I don't. I don't have to lose any money um, unless it funds. And if it does fund, then I'm then I'm buying something. But but that's the. I think that's the misconception. Not just a misconception. Not the right word. Um, I think a common um, misunderstanding or misuse, even perhaps, um, of um, Kickstarter is that you're not backing a project. You're buying a thing. At least that seems to be what mostly happens with with role playing type stuff, right? You're actually yes. buying a thing. Yes. And, well, and that's uh, Kickstarter from, from, from my understanding uh, was created with the intention of, Hey, here's a way to, to, uh, you know, promote ideas that you don't think are going to or like, there, there's a chance that they might not make it. You know, you're right, looking at right. niche yes, products right. uh, in small runs. Right. You know, you're not looking at, you know, something you're going to go and pick up in a Walmart. Right, uh, exactly. You're looking for the next step up from Etsy. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Which is, I don't know, did we talk about this before? I don't know, but like um, uh, Etsy Boyfriends? Like we talked about Etsy Boyfriends before? No, but that's, uh, that. like those two words together are hilarious. Sad Etsy Boyfriends, like they're basically the boyfriends of these women that are making stuff, and I'm sure it's not just women. So I don't oh, they have to model Etsy. They have to model, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's That's great. Yeah, there's a really like uh, like I think it's called, like there's a blog like Sad Etsy Boyfriends I think it's called but um yeah just check that out there's if you like if you're into Shade and Freud that's the <laughs> that's definitely the spot for you just these guys that just like you can in some of their faces you can just read this whole thing like this is so stupid I'm supporting you because I love you but I can't hide it from the audience how disinterested I am in this whole yeah. Also, also, I hope I don't become a meme on the internet. That's right. Yeah, and too bad for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Congratulations. Your boyfriend meme. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, but, uh... <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I think, I think you're right. Like the intention of Kickstarter is not to be a way for you to pre-order a prod product. Yeah. The reality of the way Kickstarter is used by people who are backing Kickstarter is the pre-ordering of a product. Yes. Uh, yeah. And I don't think you can get away from that. And that's uh, that that Seth Godin article that I was I was talking about. 
yeah. says says exactly the same thing. They're they're the reason that you know you'll get you know the the friends and existing fans of of somebody uh, because things tend not to 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 fund if they don't have a lot of buzz behind them and yes. a sure way of getting buzz is to already have people following you. Right, right, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's that's the thing. Yeah, and and that's yeah, that's yeah, that's. I don't know how that's going to go for me if I try to to do that. I'm inclined to protect my ego and uh, and just pay for the pay for the art myself. Both of the things I've produced already have, have bought in more money than I spent to produce them. Of course, you can't factor in hours for that, but. Um, but yeah, I don't. It'd be right. kind of like a vote with your dollars type situation. Yeah, um, but you've. You, I mean, you've you've at least got, you know, got things out. Like you've shown that you can yes. produce. Yes. Yeah. There is that. Yeah. Uh, there, there's yeah. the un, there's unknown factor is certainly something that I have. Um, at least I don't have going against me. Right. That whole, like, am I this thing actually going to come? Can this person put together a project and and follow it through to completion? So yeah, in that respect, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, yeah and and, and you're already like you've already gone through gone through some internal playtesting and mm, and yeah, all oh, of yeah, that yeah. stuff like like yeah. there's i think there's a there's a huge boon to to being like this is this thing is already 90 percent completed we just need to lay it out and put some art in there right like, right and and you know you can you can come up with a reasonable deadline yes for that and and mitigate a lot of a lot of the risk and there's always the risk in you know some sometimes you know Work is delayed, or people aren't getting things to you on yeah. on time, or or yeah. whatever. Uh, and I think that happens. And I think one of the awesome things about kick, Kickstarter is that if you you know keep people updated, if you keep yourself yeah, well that's the uh, thing. Yeah. I'm not really speaking to you like specifically, just no, in no, general. right. Yeah, but uh, I mean, that's the thread we've had in this in this episode just marks lack of updating everything, right? Like just yeah. massive gaps and talking on Facebook, but not addressing any of the things that people are clamoring to hear about in the um about both the projects, right? So, so yeah, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be putting my, I wouldn't be asking for any money until um such time as I had an open playtesting round. Um, but also I wonder whether having that open playtesting is a is a good way to get buzz going as well right because the people that open playtest may want to have a copy of the have a copy of the thing um that they've playtested right with all of the art and it looking looking beautiful if they uh if they enjoy it right yeah yeah exactly well and and uh again to to look at at evil hat like yes uh they're not only good about you know getting their stuff out to playtesters to to mm -hmm. test but yes. they actually want you to talk about the thing that you yes. are playtesting. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Uh, because they have in in what are the NDCs? No, NDAs. Non-disclosure yeah. agreements. Yeah, they have the opposite of those. Like you have yeah, to yeah. sign a pledge to, yeah. you know, talk about about what you're doing. And I think that's, that's great right. if you're gonna, uh, if you're gonna go out and do, like if you're if you're gonna kind of put it out in the wild to to select yeah, people right. to. To do, uh, right. you know, and and on the on the sort of not exactly other extreme of that, but uh, you know, going back to to the the torchbearer Kickstarter, yes. uh, Luke does most of his playtesting internally, and then I I think he gives them to to like specific people that he knows, yes. right, uh, or who who are already kind of aware of the things that he's doing. Uh, right. And he has like a really specific and rigorous way of playtesting right. stuff. Uh, right. But but 
they also don't really talk about the things that they're producing. Right. Uh, but, you know, they, they kind of go the other way with, you know, with being uh, with the fans, right? Like the people who already like the stuff that yes. that Luke and company are, are, are going to do are going to buy it without, right, without hesitation. Because right. so we know right. more or less what we're, what we're going to get. Right. So uh, what you're saying is Burning Wheel is like Fight Club and uh, Evil Hat is like the opposite of Fight Club. Pre- pretty much. Exactly. Both awesome things. Yes. Uh, but, you know, you know, I guess what I'm saying is there are multiple ways of going about it. Uh, yes. But what they what they have in common is that they make sure that their product is at most of the way ready to go before yeah. it's. Before before the Kickstarter yeah, yeah. is is done, right? Um, <clears throat> yeah. So. so talking about um, talking about stuff that people can get, let's talk about this uh, friend of yours uh, zombie game situation. Oh, uh, so uh, uh, Dwayne, uh, who who is uh, is a, a terrible idea on on Twitter. Um, at a terrible idea. At at a terrible idea. Right. Uh, has he? He's got he's got several games that that he's done. Uh, right. it, it was just one, kind of one of those one of those things that that you know you're talking about. I am zombie. Uh, right. He he has one called Shambles. Right. Uh, that I don't know if it's it's if he's still producing it. Uh, I know it was being sold at Endgame. Right. Uh, for Endgame a while. Is an but, Oakland gaming shop. In case yes. you want to know what his name is. Yes. Um. Let me let me let me look it up. Uh, well, I don't know if I've got anything to fill in the the, the blanks here with, but uh, but um, it's okay. It's it's uh, like the second thing. Uh, oh, there you go. The oh, second no, shambles thing. That, that's that's Notch's game. It's the first thing. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, I mean, this was a, a uh, did it win an any award? Uh, nope. Uh, nominated for one in in. 2010 right uh but uh yeah it's 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 a little uh a little not even huge game you can still get it at drive through rpg right uh but you play a zombie um Mm -hmm. and you the the i am zombie from what from what i look looked at looked a little more grindhousey yes the artwork is certainly evocative of that sort of yeah Uh, yeah, this is this is much more. Uh, you are the the zombie in the shopping mall from right, Dawn, right. Of, Dawn of the Dead. Yes. Um, but yeah, I've 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 played it. It's a fun little game. Right. Uh, and yeah, I just just a, a plug for a buddy. It's yeah, it, absolutely absolutely. So if you uh, if you if you are somebody that's backed, um, I'm zombie. Um, and you're waiting for your zombie thing to come out. You just can't get enough of, uh, you can't get enough of, of zombies. Yeah. Then, um, by all means, to go to drive through RPG and look up shambles by, yeah. uh, it's by, by a terrible idea. It's seven a, bucks. A terrible idea. Go. Seven dollars. It's, it's, it's well Cheap. worth seven dollars. Yeah. Cheapest chips. Yeah. Um, and I would remiss not to be remiss not to also mention that you can get uh, faith and, uh, Victoria at, um, 
and uh, drive through RPG as well. But uh, anyway, I think that'll uh, do. We couldn't go too close to uh, role playing along the way. Have you got any any role playing news in particular you want to share? Have you anything about the latest Dungeons and Dragons or any role playing news? I haven't touched. I haven't seen a thing about the newest Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I uh, aside from I hope it does well because if D and D does well, everybody else does. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Pretty yeah. good too. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> So yeah, I'm I'm playing in way too many games. Uh, yeah, where can people where can people watch you or uh, where can people stalk you? Um, you, can, you can stalk me a couple of places uh, on Twitter at sc Hayworth is probably the easiest place to get me. Yep. Uh, Sean Hayworth on on G plus. Yeah. Uh, and if you check out my YouTube channel, yes, uh, I have. Uh, Quite quite a few of the the games that I run uh, over Google Plus I broadcast. Uh, yes. So if you're into listening to people uh, play Burning Wheel for for three hours at a time, uh, then you're welcome to to do that. But I also have a show called Fire in the Garden, uh, which is me and a guest uh, going over like the basics of Burning Wheel and and basically creating a resource for for people who are new to the game. Uh, to to get into the nitty gritty of all of the right. different there's systems. There's plenty of nitty and gritty. There is um, plenty available, of nitty gritty available from I... Burning Wheel. I've I've played Burning Wheel with <laughs> uh, with Sean. I played the gift. I think we've talked about that before. But um, yep. yeah, I think you can. I think you can look forward to me being on that show almost never, unless you want to test out <laughs> whether the whether whether the rules are uh, understandable to uh, the, your interpretation of the rules are understandable to a to a um, rules challenged. Sort of a role player. Yeah, um, I'm still but, waiting for Luke to get on there and, and yell at me for for teaching people wrong. Uh, right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've totally wrong. got that. I know. The dwarves well, and the elves cannot get married. <laughs> can't happen. Anyway, listen to a previous episode. Anyway, um, that's it for uh, for me this week. Uh, and that's it for me, man. I didn't even get to yell about Patreon this time. <laughs> you want? Oh, you want to yell about Patreon as well? No, yeah, we, don't, we don't. We don't have to do it this time. Uh, okay, <laughs> we can do, we can do it next time. Okay, we'll we'll yell about we'll yell about Patreon uh, some other time, and until that other time, uh, keep talking the walk.